What's up, guys? Max here with another episode of the Scuttlebutt Show, and I am joined today by a great man. He is a Marine. He's a stand-up comic based out of Los Angeles, California, Mitch Burrows. Mitch, what's going on? Hey, man. Uh, not much. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, cool doing a show with the Marine where uh, they don't say a former Marine or something like that. You know, it's, it's good to hear someone talk that fucking gets it. I try to, I try to get it with Marines because, you know, I do a lot of shows with, uh, I actually do a lot of shows with guys who were Navy SEALs, and, and you say former Navy SEAL, retired Navy SEAL, but you don't say former Marine, you say Marine. No, that's the thing, man, I, I tell people every time I meet them, they're like, oh, you, you were a Marine, and I'm like, hey, once a Marine, always a Marine, no matter how fat you get once you get out. <laughs> I, uh... I, I tell people like when they when they uh, ask me about myself, I'm always like, "But I'm a fucking sailor, dude. I'm a sailor, straight away. Everything I embody, everything about the Navy. I might not be in the Navy anymore. I was in the Navy. I'm former Navy, but I try to still embody everything that I believe it means to be a, a fucking sailor." What was your rate? My rate was AT. I actually worked on helicopters, also. So uh, oh, okay, yeah. And, and you you were a helicopter a, mechanic, right? Yeah, I worked on CH forty sixes, but my. My mom was a legal man, uh, and my stepdad was a machinist mate a mach- and a machinery repairman. He, I think he was like an MR, and he got out as a chief or a senior chief, and my mom got out as a chief. That's awesome. My, my mom and I, like, these are the fun shows for me because I could say this, and someone could be like, that's fucking crazy. My mom and I deployed to Iraq in the same carrier group. No way. She was on the aircraft carrier. I was on an LHD. But it was all for the, I think it was the USS Truman or the USS Roosevelt. I can't remember which one, but it was out in Norfolk. And so they came and picked us up in North Carolina. And it was dope because I had friends in our admin shop that had one of those ship phones. And so I could go into the admin shop and be like, hey, let me call my mom. And then I could just call my mom on the other ship over there and just be like, hey, what's, what's up, mom? And she'd be like, everything okay? I'd be like, well, I'm fucking in the middle of this ocean with you. And then once... <laughs> <laughs> once we got once we got into the gulf there and, and then we we went into kuwait and iraq then I, I didn't i didn't have any contact with her for a while but yeah while we were under deployment on the ship we were like able to talk to each other that is insane i you know it's it's so that's so funny i can think of like so many uh shit talking possibilities with that like what are you gonna do Mitch? Oh, my call mom your mom me up <laughs> Dude, she she fucked me up and not even intentionally <laughs> that's but how like, moms do it she so she would send me care packages but she's just shopping at at the ship store so <laughs> i would i would get a package and i'd open it up and it'd be like those socks with the gold tips on them <laughs> and like and like the same kind of candy that we had in our ship store and maybe like a Christina Aguilera CD. And then, and then my friends would be like, dude, are you sending yourself care packages to make it look like your mom is? If you want to buy a Christina Aguilera CD, just buy the CD. And I was like, no, dude, she's she's right there. She's right over there, I promise. <laughs> That's odd. That's so funny, dude. That is... I- and then I... And, and then I, I, I approached my mom. I'm like, mom, why are you sending me Christina Aguilera CDs? And she's like, well, I'm, I just don't want to send you anything with a parental advisory sticker on it. And I, I'm like, I'm about to go to war. <laughs> I, I, I can hear some cuss words. Send me that 50 cent, get Richard Dietron. I don't want this bullshit. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dude, that's so funny. You know, I've heard of, I've heard of like uh, father son like being in the military at the same time or like in some kind of similar like command or like sister command or whatever uh, unit. But um, mother son, I don't think I've ever heard of mother son uh, in at the yeah. same time deployed at the same time. That's amazing. Yeah, it was it was pretty tight. I mean, my mom joined when I was about four years old, and then she got out a couple years after I got out. I I, I did my five <laughs> years within her entire career. Wow, dude, that's so yeah. crazy. I wish she would have just been more like, like she should have just told me to stay in more. I had bad influences in the Marine Corps. Like most people who were good Marines ended up getting out of the Marine Corps. So I. I was just like, I don't want to stay in with the rest of these fucking shitbirds. But like my mom had said that they, they had a, g- a real good experience with the Navy. And I, I just wish they would have been like, no, just fuck, push it out a little bit more. Cause I'd be retired now. Like my life would be fucking great. <laughs> Instead I got, I got this fake wood backdrop behind me. <laughs> trying to do a podcast. Hey, you know, uh, Really quick, just so people listening know, uh, you start on Mandatory Fun on Vet TV. You were one of the comics on that show, and uh, that's right, yeah. And and I was just gonna so before I before I uh, start referencing all your, I've already referenced a couple of your jokes, but yeah, I was just gonna you know talk about your joke where you talk about uh you know I, you were deployed with hundreds of marines, you know hundreds of marines personally, you would support about seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and three <laughs> of those still owe me money, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where people are like, hey, you got to support the troops. And I'm like, nah, you don't. I don't really care. I don't think a lot of the troops really care, honestly. <laughs> I think you just got to, what I tell people is like, you just got to understand that every veteran has potential for greatness. Doesn't mean every veteran is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think just by oh, joining sure. just by joining the military, you, you stepped up and did something really amazing. But then there are shitbags in the military. There are, like, drug dealers. There are gang members. There are rapists. There are murderers. Dude, I got investigated by NCIS <laughs> my first year in Okinawa, Japan, because apparently my roommate in the barracks was a fucking drug dealer. <laughs> what? Dude, that's... I've, I've, the drug, there's always like a barracks drug dealer, like selling mushrooms and acid and shit. Yeah. This one was all weed. Cause we were in Okinawa. You could buy mushrooms out in town. When I lived in Okinawa, they sold them at the, at the stores. I mean, you couldn't, we weren't allowed to use them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we did, but they were like, don't do <laughs> mushrooms. It's illegal. But in Japan, it was perfectly legal. So like we would do it every now and then, but like this dude was like selling marijuana, which was like highly illegal in Japan at that time. So yeah, it was it was fucked up. I'm not sure what the deal is right now, but when you do your indoc brief in Okinawa right now, they they tell you about all these like head shops you can't go to. Like don't go to Dirty Buds, don't go to Jay's Chronics. You know, like mm, that sounds <laughs> like they sell weed there. I think maybe. Yeah, I wonder what the legality is now because a lot of places are like. Man, they tricked us in the fifties. This stuff's fine. <laughs> yeah, I need to look at. Well, you know, as a dependent, it'd be cool if I could smoke weed, uh, but I can't because I'm sofa. So, like, no sofa status person uh, can can use any illegal what the like military's determined illegal substances. What does sofa stand for? That's the status of forces agreement. So, like, you know, we have like a status oh, okay. of forces with Mexico. We have a status of forces with. Japan, which means like if you fuck up, 
the U.S. government has some leverage to like represent you, as opposed to like you go to uh, Iran, right, and then you get uh, picked up there. You, there's no like sofa, so you're just like you know you can stay in prison there forever, and they, there's nothing they can do. So you 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 got out, but your wife stayed in. Well, I met my wife out of the Navy, and so we uh, we got married. She was in the Navy. Uh, she's a uh, a doctor, and so we met and we got married, and she got stationed out here. So I came out here with her. So she wears the dungarees in the family. She's the she's the boot wearing. You know, she got a big dip in. Nah, she, <laughs> yeah, she. Wears, I mean, that was that was who worked on helicopters. I don't know if that's the same for the doctors. Yeah, it's not the same, dude. It's not the same. It's a different world. Uh, it's it's funny because uh, I'll be at like. I'm I'm not as culturally or intellectually sophisticated as her and her friends, so we'll be out to we're out to dinner once, and uh, the question like people start talking about Hemingway novels, and it's going around the table, and I know inevitably it's going to get to me, and uh, they they go, Max, what's your favorite Hemingway novel? And I'm like, ah, you know, I I think the book ruins the movie. I try not to read too much. Are you guys hungry? To <laughs> waiter, waiter, we need to we're ready to order our food. <laughs> So I'm a I'm a hooligan uh, compared to my wife's my wife's coworkers. Yeah, which is which is cool. So you uh okay. Hey, sometimes it's good to be the dummy in the relationship. I they don't expect too much out of you. I I you know and I I live down to it. You know how people say like they live up to like expectations. I live down to mine. Yeah, your wife's like, hey, whatever. As long as you uh, as long as you. Uh, what's the right way to say this? Uh, eat good pussy. You can be an idiot <laughs> all you want to. I'll leave that one. Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so you, you, uh, did your, did five years in the Marine Corps working on helicopters. You get out of the Marine yes. Corps, uh, and somewhere along the way, now you're doing comedy. How long have you been doing comedy? I've been doing comedy for 12 years now. I've been a comedian longer than I was active duty in the Marine Corps. Uh, I just was, uh, I, I was telling stories uh, about like going to Thailand and stuff like that. And people were laughing. And at the time I, I had been uh, just listening to a lot of stand up on satellite radio and I just got the structure down. And so I, I once I realized that I, I had the beats figured out, I was like, well, let me just try it. So I went and did an open mic and, did really get on the first one and just got hooked. And uh, I, I was terrible for a long time after that. It, it took a while to like really hone it <laughs> in. But yeah, I mean, I, I've been doing it for 12 years now. And it's it's the only thing that ever made me feel as good as when I was in the Marine Corps. Wow, that's a powerful statement. Yeah, I mean, because there there's a sense of... When I left the Corps, there was a, a sense of camaraderie that vanished. You know, there's something about, especially like when you're when you're stationed in Okinawa, Japan, away from your families. Like we were brothers, we were a family, uh, and and all that went away. And then once I got into comedy, I guess it was about five years after I got out of the Marine Corps. Once I once I got into that community, I, once again I was like, okay, this is like a kind of like a brotherhood, like a, a group of people who are experiencing something that no one else is. Yeah. That's true. You and you know what you know what's great about it is you take people from all walks of life, uh, from all not only in every 
part nook and cranny of America, but from other countries and territories too. And then you take them all, you turn them into fucking savage Marines, and then you let them loose in Japan, you know, as, as young, as young men and women. And, uh, it's, it's just the time of your life, man. It really is. I I totally get it. It's, uh, yeah, it it was also, I mean, I, I will always say that the three years I spent in Okinawa were the best three years of my life for sure. Well, I hope, you know, I, I understand what you mean and I hope, uh, you know, you get some at least comparable years, you know, in, in your life remaining. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, li- I like to say that, like, in the, in the show, in the Scuttlebutt show, th- what what I like to tell people is, you know, the military, I, I think, too, like, the time I spent in military was the best years of my life, but it's not going to be the last good years of my life, you know what I mean? I like to look back on the military as, like, it made me who I am so I can go crush it for the rest of my life going forward. And I'll carry for that sure. with me and, and like, uh, and like carry those memories as like the greatest, bat, most badass years of my life, the things that I got to do and places I got to go and people I got to meet. But I'm not going to like look solemnly to- into the future uh, saying it's never going to be that good again. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the best, those best years in the military and make them the best part of the next great years of my life, you know? <clears throat> Yeah, I, I just say like, so like growing up, my grandfather retired army, my mom was in the Navy, and I spent a lot of time with her and my stepdad. I, I, I had this very, like romantic view of the military. And it was kind of like the thing that I always wanted to do. So having joined the Marine Corps at 18, and having done that, by the time I was 23, I had already lived my dream. So then anything else after that has always been extra. That's why I left a very successful job with Boeing to pursue comedy full time because I didn't I, I didn't care so much about money and success in terms of that. I, I was like, I, I wanna I wanna feel something. And the way I and and doing comedy and going on the road and just taking that risk and being like, fuck it, I'm going I'm going full speed with this and moving to LA. That that now I'm just doing extra shit to to feel to, to feel something because I already did the main thing that one's that one's done so now everything else is just bonus material you know what I think is uh I uh, it for myself with that is I look at like if the only thing I ever did in my life was the stuff I did in the Navy I would know that I live my life in a way that I would feel honorably about and proud of and that would be good enough yeah. for me you know but it's funny too because then I tell people I'm like I used to think I would go full bore in the Navy because that was the most important thing. And that's the only thing I care about. And I'm willing to make sacrifices elsewhere, like, uh, health, like physical health, like wreck my body in the Navy. Cause as long as I do a good job in the Navy, nothing else matters. But now I've been out of the Navy for a few yeah. years and my body's fucked up. And I'm like, ah, I shouldn't have been so quick with that one. I <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have been See, so quick with that one. You worked on helicopters. What'd you work on? I worked on sixties. Okay. So, yeah, I was on 46s, which was like, I was like the last of a dying breed. Yeah. Uh, they, they got rid of them once I got out. And then I, I was lucky enough, my first civilian job was working on the V-22. Oh, wow. Uh, so I, I did that for a while. I got to experience working on that for a while, uh, even after I got out of the Marine Corps. So, I mean, I think aviation, even though the Marine Corps, they shit on it. You know, it's always like, yo, you're just swinging with the wing and stuff like that. Uh, that was definitely one of the best jobs I could have picked because I got to fly on helicopters a lot. I, I got to pull up a CH 46 in a hover after, after fixing it when we were in Iraq. I mean, you know, there was just cool shit that I got to do. 
and it wasn't fucking easy. I mean, we were working 12 hour shifts, six days a week, seven days a week. If we were on, on the ship, it was a, it was a definitely a, a, an, an experience that I'll never forget. Yeah. Working on uh, so little, so just a quick background on myself for, uh, I think it's probably always good to do this once in a while for people listening. I did, uh, so almost 14 years in the Navy and I did, uh, eight years as a working on helicopters. Uh, I went and did a deployment in Afghanistan doing detainee ops. So I worked at the prison over there, uh, on Bagram air force base in Afghanistan. Wow. That one. Yep. I saw that picture. (laughs) I thought you looked familiar. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wasn't the dude who like (laughs) murdered the taxi cab driver or anything like that. Or, uh, you know, well, isn't that up. the one where they had them standing on the boxes with the bags on their head? That was, uh, I don't know if that was there or Guantanamo Bay. Cause there was pictures from, I, I'm you not sure Iraq, which picture, right? A- Afghanistan. Oh, okay. Oh, Iraq, the one in, Iraq, in Iraq was like Abu Ghraib or whatever. Abu Ghraib. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, some shit went down. So Afghanistan wasn't all, you know, rosy or anything, but Iraq was, had some pretty bad stuff come out about them. Afghanistan, a little bit low key. People don't know. There's a documentary called Taxi Cab to the Dark Side about how at that prison a few years before I was there, they tortured a cab driver to death. Uh, oh, and, shit. And uh, and there's some horrible pictures of this dude strung up on like a cage with, with a bag over his head, arms tied behind his back. And he was innocent. He was uh, like a wrongly picked up uh, suspected, you know, suspected, but wrongly picked up taxi cab driver. And it was uh, Marines there. So they banned Marines from working in the prison and they wouldn't, they would never let Marines back in. But if people were ever acting up bad, you could always say, uh, we're going to bring the Marines back. And then they would be like, mm, okay. <laughs> they were like, no, thank you. Yeah. So I added it to my watch list. As yeah, soon as yeah, you yeah. said it, I was like, I got to see this shit. Yeah. Check it uh, out. Yeah. My, my, one of my cousins, he was the army and, and he was a MP. So he dealt with a lot of shit like that in the army. Uh, yeah, man, I, I wouldn't want to have to deal with, like, the the policing of shit or having to do, like, uh, prisoner watch or anything like that. That's that's too much. It was, I, I, I was happy just turning wrenches. It was the hardest job I ever did in the Navy, I'll tell you that. And then, and that's including after that, I went back and I uh, found a special programs thing. And I went and I flew drones with uh, Naval Special Warfare and did a couple more deployments oh, wow. to Iraq and Afghanistan. So that's what I did right before I got out. And so I was always an AT. My rate was always AT or helicopter, you know, avionics. And, uh, and then I got out and worked in that sector for a little while as a civilian. What does, a what does an enlisted personnel do with drones? So there's small ones, right? Like small ones that we actually fly. Okay. So one person flies them. Uh, and then we would deploy with like, I deployed with army green berets once. And then with a seal team another time, and we would go fly, fly our drones and like find and support. And, and so those are just doing like reconnaissance. Yep. So they're like, all right, enlisted, you can take pictures, but we're going to save the, the bomb dropping for the officers. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> fine. I think I feel like enlisted would have more fun <laughs> dropping bombs. Might drop too many. Drop them too quick. <laughs> well, you know, and then you can always just say, well, it was just... Some dumb E three. Yeah, I'm just an e, I'm just an E five. Like, like how's I supposed to know? <laughs> you know, like they, that that's how you get away with it. You you have officers fucking up, and and then it's like, well, this guy had a college degree, so he should have known better. Yeah. Yep. No, I'll take the Article fifteen for uh, accidentally releasing that five hundred pound bomb. I guess. Oof. 
Uh, yeah, so this seems like a, a minor slap on the wrist. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll take the the forty five. So we were just before this, we were just talking about how coronavirus for all the active duty or veterans are like, hey, we just all got hit with a sixty sixty half months pay times too. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's a uh, it's an interesting thing. I live in Los Angeles, so we've been like half like shut shut off. You know, like there was no there was no like uh like lockdown as far as like how far you can go outside of your home. They were just like, hey, it's best to stay at home. And then they closed down bars and shit, but all the grocery stores were open and there was really nothing keeping you from going over to your friend's house or anything like that. Uh, for a while they had beaches and stuff closed, but I mean, you the, the, the best thing about it was if you did go somewhere, the, the freeway was finally like clear, you know, <laughs> like that, it wasn't hard to travel anywhere. And yeah, now, but now the freeways are full of people because they're out there, all the protests. It's yeah. Well, yeah, that was the thing that was going on for a little while, but like the news isn't covering it anymore because no one's rioting. Yeah. Like there's still protests every single day, but the news is like, oh, this isn't exciting. So they don't, they, they're not showing the, the movement that people are like, would want people to see. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Right. Cause it's not so sensational. So you, uh, so you're up there in LA You've been kind of in the middle of a big city during this whole thing. And you work at the comedy store in L.A., in, uh, LA right? Yeah, I work at the comedy store in Hollywood. And uh, and you've been there for a couple of years? Yeah, I've been there for about a year and a half, two years. Okay. But I, I've, I've, I've been doing comedy and hanging around since I moved to L.A. five years ago. It just, there was a time where I wasn't focusing on it and then, uh, well, basically I broke up with my girlfriend and I was like, I got to get in at the comedy store. So I just <laughs> like made a hard push for that. Yeah. Then I was, just, I was just feeling a void at the time. Well, that's a, that's always like a, a, a life altering event is when a big relationship ends. So I could see yeah. like, that'll either make you do one of two things, which is like dig in deep in a hole and, you know, bury yourself or get out there and go do something like to get out of the house and go do something big, a big push in the other direction. Yeah, I mean, luckily for me, when we were dating, we were living together, and I would go on the road two weekends a month or three weekends a month, and then when I was back, I wasn't, like, going to the clubs in L.A., uh, so then once once we broke up, I was like, man, why the fuck did I move to L.A. if I'm not going to the club? I, I, I realized I had just wasted two years of my time, so I just pushed, like, really hard in L.A. after that. I, I was I was like, I'm going out to the clubs every single night. And, and, and that's what you got to do. You got you got to like grind it out. You got to you got to treat it like a job. That's right. That so you tend to drink at every night. <laughs> yeah. So I've heard everyone everyone who does anything like you know YouTube podcast stand up whatever it is uh, if it's gig work you have to treat it like a full time job. You don't treat it like a gig job. You know you put in the hours yeah, I mean, you prepare. Even before you make it to that point, you have to treat it like that, you know? I mean, like, so TikTok, for example, uh, my phone got stolen two days ago, and I just got got a replacement, so I, I missed, like, three days. But once I, like, started focusing on making videos on TikTok, I made a point to make, like, two videos a day for that platform. And then it just, like, started steamrolling and getting more and more views. So whether it's writing or or acting or, or sing or whatever you, you have to, if it's something that you're pursuing you and you have a, a day job, you got to look at it as another 
equally important job and dedicate a certain amount of time to that every single day. Yep. That's the only way you're going to be, be successful at it. Yep. Yep. What's your, uh, TikTok man. What's your TikTok handle? All of my uh, social media is just my name, Mitch Burrow, M-I-T-C-H-B-U-R-R-O-W. It's the same whether it's Instagram or TikTok or whatever. How do you make a TikTok? <laughs> uh, you just you just hold the phone up in front of your face, say some stupid shit, and then hit hit send. <laughs> there's, there's like different. <laughs> I know that sounds simple. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, there's different there's different styles of TikTok. There are people who take movie quotes and, and lip sync over them. There are the dancers who just have songs and then they, they like choreograph these stupid dances so that everyone's doing the same. And then there's people like me. I, I made a video making fun of women who who ha- who carry crystals around with them. You know, like, and then they charge them on the windowsill. So I was doing this thing, kind of making fun of astrology and, and, and stuff like that. And then somebody was like, oh, we would love to hear more. Can you do some some horoscope readings? And then I just went full in on the horoscopes. And, you know, it just, it kind of blew up from, from there. Somebody left a comment I, on your thing saying they wanted to hear yeah, horoscopes? They, they, they left a comment and I... And I was like, all right, I'll do redneck horoscope reading. So I just started reading horoscopes, but trying to put like a redneck spin on it, where it was like, you know, you, you, Aquarius, you need to take care of yourself. Uh, maybe you know, go fishing, spend the spend the day at Bass Pro Shop or whatever. And it, and then people just kind of like, hey, this guy's fucking a redneck, but he gets horoscopes. You know, it's, just, it's so easy to fool him, I guess. Dude, that's so funny. Uh, I'm going to check that. So here's what I'm going to do is like right now in the video, I'm going to play some of your TikToks. So people will have seen and I will have seen some TikToks at that point. Capricorns, are you constantly thinking about things that you haven't finished yet? Look, Pisces, you know what's cool? Aquarius. See, this is when shit starts getting crazy. You start getting, this lady really got the nerve to say I look like John Wayne Gacy. Are you Sagittarius? Look, I get it. Every Scorpios. Right now, you're like a toddler when everybody jangles a little shiny set of keys in front of them. Right? You're getting so focused on, on pretty things that you can buy that you're losing focus on the stuff that matters. Uh, the redneck horoscope sounds so funny. Where, you're from Georgia? Uh, yeah, I grew up uh, in the woods. I mean, I had a house, but it was like <laughs> way out in the country. Um, but it was about 30 minutes outside of Athens, Georgia, where the University of Georgia is. And... I, I, you know, when, you, when I listen to your comedy, when I listen to mandatory fun, you kind of lean on that, uh, identity, which is, you know, a very, which is like when you make it fun, like there's nothing like, like Southern humor, man, all my, all my Southern buddies in the military. Oh, it was always, when we would go out in San Diego or whatever on deployment, dude, it was so funny, dude. Uh, I remember one yeah. time, I remember one time on deployment, we had my buddy, uh, from Kansas, you know, deep, you know, Southern boy. He, uh, we're walking around and my other buddy who was Filipino, um, was talking to him and, and they didn't really know each other that well. They had only met a couple weeks earlier and he goes, uh, the Filipino guy says to the Southern dude, he goes, you people like NASCAR, right? He's like, what do you mean you people? And they had like this whole, this whole like 
you know, reverse, like it was like a reverse of what you would normally expect type thing. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, fuck yeah, I love NASCAR. <laughs> hey, man, I watched the NASCAR race today. What was that? Which one was that? I heard I heard some shit went down there with one of the drivers in like a, a racist racism event. Like yeah, left noose so in his garage. Uh, today was the Talladega 500. It's one of the it's the fastest track in NASCAR, so it's a pretty big race. Um, and uh, Bubba Wallace is a is a is a black uh, driver in NASCAR, and someone left a noose in his garage. Uh, and so there was a big thing that came out about that. And then all the drivers to sh show solidarity, they pushed his car out to the front today before the, before the, the race started. And, and they stood behind him during the national anthem. And then, you know, they were just sh showing their support for him. And NASCAR is actually making a big push to kind of get away from any kind of racist stereotypes. They banned the Confederate flag, which I heard all the bases uh, have done the same thing as well. Uh, banning a display of the Confederate flag at the NASCAR events. And then uh, they, they have these commercials that are like this close to saying Black Lives Matter. <laughs> like they, they're not doing it, but they're like, but they're saying shit like we're in this together. Uh, change com can come through all of us together. Like we are like talking about making pro progress. And it's just like, they almost, they almost did it. You know, they almost, fucking committed and was like black lives matter but they were like we can't we can't quite go that far and it's like you were so you almost did it you know it's but i think it's great that nascar is making the steps to be more progressive and inclusive because you're never going to get fans if if half of the people there are are waving confederate flags around it's going to be divisive so I, I think I think it's great that they're making these steps to be like, look, we're not a bunch of fucking dumb hillbillies. You know, the engineering that goes into building a NASCAR is in, in an insane level of technology. Like this is real shit. And I think if more people watch it, my black friend out here watched it today and he was like, Don't tell anybody I'm watching this. Man, that, <laughs> that, that race was that was insane. Cause it ended on like a 12 car wreck. Oh the shit. The guy that got third finished backwards. <laughs> so it was <laughs> I was like, see, and he was like, Yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. That was pretty dope. I've seen all this stuff about how it's like Man, leave it to NASCAR to be the most progressive sport. Like, who would have expected that? But, you know, NASCAR is, a, like, if I th if I don't know that much about NASCAR, but if I think about it, it's, like, a big deal when the first woman drives NASCAR. It's a big deal when there's a black driver. But, you know what? Everyone, you know what's fucking a racist sport? Hockey. hockey like, hockey's a fucking borderline, like, straight-up racist sport where you got, like, a, a black player who gets attacked in every game or something like that, you know? And yeah, I, I, n I never watched a lot of hockey, but it's definitely like you can be like, there's five guys on the ice. Well, they're all white. I'm, I'm going to put money on it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's it's not that diverse of a sport. So. Yeah. I always consider NASCAR like not it's not so diverse in its athletes, but it's I never really considered it like a like having a racist problem. Maybe am, I don't think am I wrong? Like, it, was there ever a history it's of not, racism in NASCAR? I, I mean, the, the thing is, I understand there's a lot of people who would fly the Confederate battle flag and say that they're not racist, but you're not taking into account how that makes people feel. Yeah. You know, so it's it's not that they're necessarily 
excluding minorities from from the events but i mean if you were a black person and you went to a nascar race and you saw hundreds of confederate flags flying would you go yeah this is the sport for me or would you go <laughs> man these fucking these fucking assholes i don't want to i don't want to be around this yeah you know you got you sometimes got to think outside of yourself you know and and i grew up in the south uh, and, and I'll be honest, that flag looks cool as shit. It's a cool design, <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta realize that it, when you look at the history of it, first of all, it was, it was scarcely used in the civil war. So even if you're one of these people that's talking about heritage versus hate, it, it didn't even really get used then. it was brought in, in the 1960s, like during the Jim Crow era and, and, and civil rights movement. And they were using it to protest uh desegregation so it's like really that's what that flag's history is and you can't you don't necessarily have to be proud of everything in your history you know like i have a ged that motherfucker ain't framed and hanging over <laughs> the fireplace <laughs> mainly because i have a ged so i have never made enough money to have a fireplace at this point <laughs> in my life i guess <laughs> that's hysterical uh, yeah, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, I think that's a really good perspective on it. You talked about it in your stand up on vet TV too. Uh, you know, racial equality, gender equality, you know, LGBTQ rights. Uh, is that, is that true? You have a gay sister? Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. But yeah, she, she was, uh, she, she, yeah, she, she did good for herself. Um, She's very attractive. Uh, she was in the army. She did fucking uh, jump school. So she was with the 82nd Airborne. She's a little badass lesbian chick. You know, they, they, they were really into that. But then she went to war. And then uh, when she came back, she started uh, banging a dude for a little while. And I was like, man, war really does fucking change <laughs> people. You know, it's, it's tough. But she's back now. She settled down with a lady. She's, she's doing that again. Okay. Let's well, glad she's happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they got a house and a Rottweiler. Just the perfect lesbian relationship. <laughs> you you talked about how, how do you how do you write jokes? I mean, if I'm being a good person, I will wake up in the morning and I will sit down and I will write just three pages of randomness in my notebook. It's from a a thing called the artist way. And they just talk about writing your morning pages. You just sit down and it's just free thought. You just sit down and write. Then any idea that I have for a joke, it normally just comes from riding around by myself. Maybe I'm out four wheeling in my Jeep and I'm just letting my brain roll and something will come in my head. So then I'll make a note of it. And then I'll sit down and just kind of like try and write out the different angles from which that, that is funny. It's not just good enough to say that something is funny. You have to describe what makes that funny and try and come at it from different angles. I feel like some comics try and take pride in saying that they don't write, that they, they create on stage. But if that's how you're doing it, I genuinely feel like you're doing yourself a disservice. If you, Bill Burr is uh, unique because he has his Monday morning podcast. And, and now I think he does it twice a week. So he's talking in this free flow kind of thought. And, and then people are able to take 
he's able to take notes from his podcast to then generate bits out of. So that's kind of his writing style. But I think for the most part, sitting down and physically writing will will not hurt you by any means. It can only Im- improve your 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 writing and your 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 joke telling methods. So I I try to do that. Uh, I'm lazy, so I let myself down a lot of times. <laughs> uh, but you know when I'm when I'm trying to treat when I'm trying to act as professionally as possible and not drinking too much the night before I, I like to just try to write uh for a little while every day i think that's really good i try to write i try to so i we're actually starting stand up out here in okinawa uh which i've never been uh a, i've done it a few times i've done improv comedy i performed improv comedy but we're actually starting a stand-up open mic night out here with uh at a place over by gate two in kadena or outside of kadena air force base and i'm gonna try my hand oh, stand up gate two street yep Yep. I remember it well. Jack yep. Nasty's first chance, last chance. Oh yeah, yep. I mean, I used to. I that. I mean, that was where we spent all of our time out there. And then, of course, over there was like a block over. Some guys would go to another alley over there. Uh, but I never uh, did that. BC Street, I think, was one place over there, right? I don't know BC there's Street. A, there's a place called Whisper Alley. Uh, <laughs> And do they still have the banana show? Is that lady still making, put, putting on a performance every night? I don't know. I, so, so I need to go out there and hit that street and party. I've only walked down it like as a tourist, never going in and like actually experiencing the, the, the nightlife out there. But uh, wow. yeah, and I've been here like a year, but it's, uh, it, you know, my wife and I, we don't really go out and do that, that kind of scene too much, but we, uh, now that we've kind of been over there a couple times walking around, we we're like, well, we need to go hit it one day. At least one day, go kind of do everything. Uh, really, the night of debauchery, you know? I don't know if you need to do everything there with your <laughs> wife, but, you know. <laughs> I used to go down to this place in Naha called The Stage. That was a, that was a wild one. They, they had a rotating stage. And it, sir, it was... Kind of like a strip club, but it was more like a brothel, I guess, in a way. <laughs> uh, but then, like, at the end of the night, when it was over, they would announce, like, okay, now is the time that one of you lucky guys gets to come up on stage. And someone would would have sex with one of the girls on the stage as it rotated in front of everybody in there watching. What? And I'm, and I'm <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I love how you, like, or this innocent guy that's like, what? Really? Yes. It's fucking four miles down the road, dude. <laughs> you live right next to it. <laughs> so, so when they announced it that night, my buddy like jumped up onto the stage and was like, me, I'm going to do it. And the guy yelled at him. He was like, no, you don't wear your shoes on the stage. And I was like, oh, this is a classy place where you fuck in front of everybody. You got to take your shoes off. So then he, he, he removed his shoes and they let him get up on stage. And then, I mean, oh man, poor guy. There was like a, like the, 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 everyone was there watching and she had a little performance anxiety, but this chick, she like went down on him for a little while to like make it happen. And then he finally, he finally did. We go celebrate. We go to another, there's a dance club called the slums that we went to 
and we're hanging out there dancing and, and drinking. And then I swear to God, that girl walked in with a dude and started like making out with him. And I was like, yo, that that's that chick that you just fucked in front of everybody <laughs> with her boyfriend here now. And that Whoa. guy was just like, hey, man, that's her job. You know, like, don't talk about my girlfriend like that. <laughs> I was just like, okay, dude. Like, and he was definitely in the military. I think he was probably Air Force, though. <laughs> dude, I, so I wouldn't call myself uh, innocent, but I have, I don't know what goes down out here in Okinawa. I will say that. Uh, and that sounds crazy. Like, the stuff that I've seen in, like, other countries – in like Guam at strip clubs, in the Philippines at strip clubs, is pretty nuts. But I've actually never seen someone get up there and bang on stage. Yeah, I mean, I went to Thailand. I went to Thailand twice. Uh, Thailand was crazy. That was a, a fucking pretty wild experience. Um, I went to the Philippines. That that was wild. I mean, I, I definitely lived a life where. If I ever like settle down, there's just gonna I'm gonna have to have some secrets, <laughs> you know. Like it's just the way it's gotta be. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, that's a that's a quite the that's quite a like I'm just picturing in Naha out here in Okinawa. I, I'm trying to like think if that could still possibly be a thing. I don't know. I guess I'm well, ignorant. I, mean, I, I don't know. Google Maps. What the stage? Let me see. I, I bet I can find it. Look at the stage. If that's a place, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna post a picture of it up on this podcast. Police club employed sex slaves. Okay, it might be closed down by now. Yeah, that sounds like a human trafficking type thing, basically. Except for like, if you then saw her afterwards with her boyfriend, and they were like, "Oh, it's just her job." That doesn't sound like a sex slave type thing. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what to think about that. I guess there's like people who would do that by choice, but it almost sounds like it would be a, a, uh, like a human trafficking coercion type thing environment. Okay. The name of the place was Naha music. Really? Yep. And if you Google that, you'll, you'll see some, uh, there's even a Reddit, uh, thread where, uh, had sex on stage. Everybody clapped. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. And it's just this guy talking about his experience uh, there at uh, at, uh, at at the, at that club, and like people are like, "Yo, did that really happen?" There's no way that happened, and it's like, "Yeah, this this is a true story that this guy is telling." Because I mean, I've I've been to an event like this, you know, like I mean, I saw it, and it was uh, interesting. I can't believe the shit that goes down. Hey, if you're listening and you're out there and you find yourself in that kind of situation, look around and really and really think like, is this legit or is this like something that I would uh, feel bad about later? I guess because I, I like because <laughs> you know those types of things are, are can be super sketchy, man. There's all kinds of stuff like that where the girls are like in prison, basically. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're here's here's what I'll say: when you're 19 years old and you 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 lived on a dirt road your whole life and now you're in a foreign country you these things are this is not something that you've ever thought of in your life i mean my friends my friends loved going to the buy me drinky bars uh and those were predominantly staffed by young filipino women so 
was that something similar to what you're saying? Maybe, but like they, we had no idea about that. We were right. boys, right? You know, right. um, I personally didn't like those places because I didn't like paying nine dollars for a girl to drink a shot of pineapple juice. That didn't seem <laughs> very fun to me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely a a, a, a negative uh, side to it. Um, but they don't educate the young the young guys in about that part of it, you know. Well, so I guess. What do I think about that? So like the education that is done is done in such a way that like, you know, uh, what to look out for, at least in my experience, they tell you what to look out for. They tell you like about these places, but they don't tell you how you find yourself inside of them. You know what I mean? Like you're in this situation before you even realize it. Like you're just walking around. You think you're walking into a normal place. Then a girl comes up and you think it's just a normal girl talking to you. And then she's like, uh, well, are you taking me home or whatever? And I'm, and you're like, wait, are you like a, are you like working? Like what's going on here? You know? And, uh, yeah, you and, don't want to say that that's insulting, especially if they're not. Yeah, I know. Right. You, so, you just got to have more confidence in yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird, man. It's like, uh, it's a very uncomfortable thing. I, I never liked it. So like in the Philippines, you go into a bar and then all of a sudden you rise to be, or like in Las Vegas, you'll be in Las Vegas on the strip and you'll be talking to a girl and, and all of a sudden she'll be like, uh, it's $200 for an hour. And you're like, what? I didn't know you. I didn't even, that's, didn't when, even I, cross that, that's my mind. when I go, Oh, I'm sorry. I was charging you this whole time. You owe me 50 for the last 20 minutes. You wasted of my time. Yeah. This conversation ain't free. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, man. It's a weird, it's a weird thing, dude. So, uh, how do we even get on that? How do we even get on? Like, like sec, like you said like, that you were gonna open a, a open mic on, K- oh, on K- yeah, yeah, Street, yeah, yeah. and it just led me down a whole path of all the debaucherous shit I did when yeah. I was in Okinawa. Yeah, so we're gonna start a little open. So if anybody in Okinawa is listening, we're gonna start an open mic thing and uh, and see. Apparently, there's a pretty good community of uh, active duty or or uh, veterans out here who want to do comedy. So we'll have like an open mic thing going on. So when you do, so you write a joke and then you. Uh, you do you go to like open mics and practice jokes? Like, do you do like rehearsal nights in preparation well, for big just, nights? Yeah, there there are clubs where they have like a more uh, less high stakes kind of uh, show, and uh, that one like I feel comfortable doing uh, doing stuff. I'm not really going to bars so much and doing those kind of open mics, but I I am like going out on certain nights where it's specifically like that's that's the goal is to work on new material at the comedy store we have uh we have a monday night potluck show that we do and uh and i use that kind of as my my uh trying trying material out kind of night okay do you do uh do you ever have like a stage fright issue no uh I mean, I'm not going to lie. I guess depending on like certain shows, there could be higher stakes or something like that. And then I, I might feel a little more nervous before I go up. Just like, oh, this is an important show. So I need to make sure that I that I do a good job. But I, I don't ever get stage fright. I don't know that I ever got stage fright, really. Um, I just always enjoyed the performance aspect of it, you know? 
That's good. You're you're lucky. I feel like um I also don't have a stage fright issue, uh, but that's rare. Like that's usually the the minority of people have, uh, like. Uh, are okay with public speaking and getting up there and, and being in front of people. I like it. I like being up in front of people, which is definitely on the unusual side. Uh, cause most people talk about like the greatest fear in their life is public speaking. Yeah. Uh, I think Seinfeld had this great joke where he was like, uh, they did a, a survey and the number one fear was public speaking. And the number two fear was death. So at a funeral, uh, people would rather be the guy in the box rather than the guy giving the eulogy. <laughs> oh man, that is yeah. It's it's true. It's true. People. Have- I mean, I think for me, here's what happened. So when I was like doing like, if I ever had to give a presentation and I wasn't prepared, I would feel nervous. But once once I had the material ready, I, I was fine. So with stand up comedy. You've, you've written everything out. I mean, I guess there's the worry that uh, something's not going to work, but you just got I, you you got to not care so much about making people laugh every single time, and just look more at like the 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 work that goes into it. You get, you just got to be okay. Well, that didn't work, so I'm just gonna scratch it out and make an adjustment. You know, it's like fine tuning a car. Have you? Ever that's had- what you got to look at. You gotta look at like the 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 shows like that where you're like, okay, this is just I'm just working it out. I'm going to the gym. Have you had any big bombs? No, I'm really good. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> nothing crazy where it was like, oh, this, you know, like I, I was like in desperate need of like crushing that night, and then I, I got nothing. Um, but I've certainly had nights where I came off the stage and I was like, man, fuck, that sucked, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess you just, you know, you never know who the crowd's going to be. So you could get up there and, you know, you have a joke that you think is going to be funny and usually lands and then you tell it and people don't really react the way you were expecting, you know? Kind of like when you give yeah. yourself that, that like beat for laughter or whatever, like when the pinch punch line comes and you don't get the reaction you're looking for and you're like, wait, did I say it wrong? Or like, what's going on? Why, are, why isn't everybody laughing? Yeah, that that happens, and you're also you also think like, oh man, was I wrong? Like, is this not a funny idea? <laughs> and then you just got to look at it like, okay, for some reason I think this is funny. I'm just not, I'm I'm not translating it right. So then you got to just kind of work on like, okay, what what do I have to say to 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 make this come out the way that I want it to? There's That's a pretty much it. There's a. Uh a thing in improv where if you, if you, if you're failing, fail big, like fail, fail big, make it a big like production of failure. Uh, and then that's yeah. usually like a good way to recover um, when you're on stage because people will like laugh at you failing or whatever. Is there something like that in standup? Uh, nah. Cause you, I mean, people look at improv differently since it's a somewhat in the moment kind of thing with, with standup. I don't think people necessarily think you're just going up there and riffing these days. You know, I think that everyone realizes this is a prepared monologue. So I think you just have to maybe either kind of rush past it and be like, yeah, y'all weren't supposed to laugh at that yet. Anyway, (laughs) so let me just go on. Or you can acknowledge it and, and be like, you know, I fucking I thought that was gonna be funny, but y'all 
proved me wrong. So, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll never do that again. Do you do any shows for military? Have you done any like touring for military USO? A little, nothing, nothing on that level. Um, I did some shows down in like the Pensacola, Florida area. Uh, and, uh, there was like a couple bases around there that I did shows for, but no, I haven't had the, the pleasure of doing like an armed forces entertain. What is it? AFES? Yeah. Something like that. Armed forces entertainment stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't had the opportunity to do that or USO. And USO is hard, man. Like they they want celebrities. Yeah. You know, they want bigger names and stuff. So that one would be a hard one for me to get on. But I would jump on it in a minute. I'd go back to Iraq to to entertain troops. I'd I'd, I'd go wherever they asked me to. I think it would be a great way for me to give back. I would be. It would be pretty fun. It would be pretty fun. Uh, that would be a good, it would be good to go like to Iraq and just do like a performance thing or whatever, go to Afghanistan. Also, I got to be honest, because sometimes like I, I perform in San Diego a lot. And so military people come out to those shows and every now and then you'll get like a colonel or a lieutenant colonel who I'm also, I'm like the same age now, which is real fucking <laughs> weird to me. And so for me to be able to just be like, yeah, dude, to a colonel, I kind of like that. So I'm, I'm more than willing to do fucking military shows just to, just to talk to an officer like he's just another another bro. Yeah, and I'm sure the average dude would love that too, where you like, you know, you as a former Marine enlisted would go up there in front of a bunch of enlisted and be like, what's up, sir? You good, bro? Yeah. Can we, do you, does everyone have your yeah. fucking permission to laugh or some shit like that? People <laughs> would probably, people would love it. Yeah. Permission to have fun. <laughs> Denied. Are you... <laughs> <laughs> Are you, uh, yeah, damn it. What's the, what's the dream? Man, I want to be one of the most famous comedians in the world. Uh, I, I'd love, I'd love to have a TV show or something like that. Um, but you know, I'd also be okay with just, you know, making a living doing stand up comedy, but I don't want to, I don't want to settle at that. You know, I will, I won't fame. I'm not, posting stupid fucking TikTok videos because I enjoy it. <laughs> you know, like I'm trying to build up those fans. So that that's really it, man. I, I just want to be as well known of, of a comedian as possible. And I just, I just want to be, I, I just, I want to make it to the highest level possible. I'd, I'd like to be a Tom Segura level comedian uh a, a crystalia level comedian without the the teenager <laughs> fucking you know i uh uh my wife you know and i talk sometimes and i talk about that's good i, I think that's important in a marriage <laughs> is that you you talk to your wife sometimes we yeah we schedule once a week we chat and she asks me uh like when, when I'm doing stuff, she's like, and I'm talking about getting views or whatever. And she's like, well, why do you want to get views? Do you want to, do you want like to be famous or whatever? And I'm like, well, I want people, I want as many people to hear this stuff as possible because I believe it's stuff that makes people happier, you know, or like helps people out or something, you know? So I'll, yeah. I'll do things to get views. I'll like put out more YouTube videos. I'll put out more Instagram stuff. I'll go live more. I'll, you know, do, you know, put out more clips and stuff. And, uh, and I'll try to, and I'm going to try to make it fun. And, you know, maybe I'll start doing TikTok. And 
that's not because I'm desperate for fame, but I do want the peop, the people to be paying attention to me because I think that I believe in what I'm doing is something that people would enjoy to hear. And so it's not, yeah. a, it's not fame to like, go look how famous I am. It's like, I want people to hear me because I believe in the mission of what I'm doing is to spread kind of happiness and motivation and inspiration to other veterans, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me, like one of the coolest things was I had a video on Facebook that went uh, pretty viral. It got like 7 million views. Whoa. And uh, I started getting like messages from people. And this one woman was like, my husband served in Iraq and uh, we watched that video last night and it was the first time that I'd seen him laugh like that since he got back. So, you know, like, I just want you to know it's what you're doing is very important. And like, I, I don't go out with that mentality. That's not my mindset is like, I'm doing this for the people, but to receive that message from somebody that, that was a very moving experience and like made me feel like, okay, I mean, I don't think what I'm doing is important, but to know that to some people it is, I think that's, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. You know, what, what I'm doing, I think it's as important as people believe that it is to them, you know, but I, I, I get emails once in a while and it's like, Hey, I heard this episode. I really appreciated what this person had to say. Uh, I went and checked them out or it motivated me to do this or see things in a different way or whatever th- made me think about this. And that, then I'm like, okay, cool. This is a, uh, that, that's what, that's what I'm looking for as far as like the impact I'm hoping to make some people. And then if there's somebody out there who wants to do comedy, I hope they listen to this one and go, I'm going to fucking do comedy. Cause you know, I heard Mitch talk about it. it. Sounds awesome. Uh, so I hope people are, are getting something out of it. You know, I, I try to, I, some people ask me all the time about starting a podcast too. And they're like, how do you do a podcast? Like, how do you host it? And I'm like, just say whatever's honestly on your mind. You know, like, don't try to say yeah. the perfect thing. Don't try to think too hard about it. Just let the conversation go. Say whatever you're honestly thinking. Don't try to say the perfect thing. Just the perfect thing to say is whatever's honestly on your mind. Absolutely. I think it's probably don't say anything too. that'll get you in trouble later. <laughs> yeah, which is like yeah, fucking everything. So, hey, what's yeah. that that Facebook video that you were just talking about? What is? Where can people find that? Uh, if you just type in Mitch Burrow on Facebook in, under the search thing, they'll have videos, and it'll be one of the first ones that comes up. I think it's titled like funniest Marine or something. It's posted on the comedy juice Facebook page. Uh, I think I'm wearing like a white shirt. It should make it pretty easy to find. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, uh, just Mitch Burrow on Facebook and then go to videos, not my, not my page, just go to videos under the search and you'll, you'll see it. It's got like seven point something million views. Okay, I'm going to look that up. I'm going to link that uh, at this point in the podcast, too. I served in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, five people were like, yay. The rest of you were like, that don't look like the Marine Corps. <laughs> I'm originally from Georgia. Thanks. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've been living in Seattle for the last seven years, and what I learned is that being from the South is awesome if you're still in the South. (laughs) And here's what bothers me the most about it. My mom is from England. She has like a full-on British accent. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Like if she would've just talked to me a little bit more, I could've had an accent where no matter what I was saying, y'all would be like, this is gonna be the most important thing we hear all day. But instead, with a southern accent, I could be explaining quantum physics to y'all. 
going into the multi-world interpretation, which is like for every situation there's a different outcome, and that outcome happened, and it spawned off a separate universe, and you'd be like, yeah, but it's just a theory, and I'd correct you and say, I think what you meant is that it's just a hypothesis, <laughs> which is a suggested explanation, whereas a theory is a substantiated explanation based off of a proven hypothesis. And then you say, I think you probably have a GED and don't like minorities. <laughs> yeah. And then you would win that argument. I served in the Marine Corps. Yeah. I like that five people were like, yeah. The rest of you were like, that don't look like the Marine Corps. <laughs> I served in Iraq. Uh, I don't know if anyone else here has ever been to war, but uh, no, just me. I'm the only hero. Okay. <laughs> Going to war is not the hard part. Coming back is where it gets weird because everybody wants to ask you questions. Like, as soon as I got back from Iraq, everybody was like, oh my God, Mitch, when you were in Iraq, did you ever shoot anybody? And I was like, no, nah, man, relax. I was a helicopter mechanic. <laughs> They were like, oh, thank God you never killed anybody. I was like, I never said I was a good helicopter mechanic. <laughs> I don't know why people laugh at that joke. Troops died in that joke. That's <laughs> I do miss being in shape, though. That was the best part about the military. Like, I didn't want to get fat. Uh, so I got out in 2003. Nobody yelled at me to run three miles every day at McDonald's is convenient. These are the consequences of my actions. And I want to lose the weight, but it just feels like the world is against you when you gain a bunch of weight. Like the other day, I stepped on the scale. It was almost 300 pounds. I was like, man, I've got to do something about this. And when I say almost, I mean 305, all right? <laughs> So I was like, that's it, man. Today is the day that I make a change. So I went to the grocery store. I loaded the cart up with fruits and vegetables, everything healthy. And when I went to check out, my credit card got declined. I got home, I checked my email. Capital One declined the charge because they suspected fraudulent activity. <laughs> but I miss traveling the most when I was in the military. Coolest place I ever went to was Thailand. They sent me to Thailand when I was 19 years old. That is the biggest mistake that the government can make. Because <laughs> when an adult goes to Thailand, they'll come back and they'll be like, yeah, they have beautiful beaches. I came back from Thailand at 19, I was like, they have awesome strip clubs. <laughs> and I don't mean that because the women are beautiful. I mean it because like they do magic tricks. <laughs> Like you'll go there, you'll see a woman pull 40 yards of a handkerchief out of a place that handkerchiefs aren't supposed to be. You give them a dollar, they'll give you four quarters back. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> but when I was in Thailand, I saw the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. I saw a woman pull a live canary out of her area, right, of her canaria, as I like to call it. <laughs> Look, you gotta understand, I don't mean like she just pulled it out, set it on the table, and then walked away. It flew around the room, right? It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life. It was like a Disney movie came out of there. It was amazing. 
So when I saw that, I did the only thing that made sense to me. I went home with her. Now look, I know a lot of you are judging me right now. Like, that sounds like a good way to get a carrier disease. But you have to understand where I was at this point in my life. I was 19 years old. It was 1999. And all I did with my free time was watch the History Channel. And it's not like now with bad shows like American Pickers and Pawn Stars. They have real documentaries. And my favorite was about these coal miners in the 1930s. And what they would do whenever they would go down into a mine, they would take a live canary with them. And as long as that bird didn't die, they knew that cave was safe. <laughs> So I knew that cave was safe. You guys have been great. My name is Mitch Burrow. And you've got a website, right? MitchBurrow.com? I do. Uh, it's very out of date, but you know, you can <laughs> you can go to it and find like the links to my social media stuff. Yeah, I went on there and I was watching your videos of your stand up and it's all very funny. Uh, I want I, I told like half of your mandatory fun jokes already or you know referenced them so i don't want to steal all your i don't want to tell all your jokes on on this scuttlebutt show uh so people go and check you out so you're you do you have a youtube you have a youtube channel too i do and i, I i'll normally post like uh one minute like i post short stand-up clips on there that people can see uh and then i'll even move some of the little tiktok videos over there as well um but uh yeah you know i, I try and post so i think once comedy is going, uh, Instagram and TikTok are the things to follow me on because those, like I, I, I post like a lot of stand up clips on there when, when, whenever I get them recorded. Cause I ain't getting a fucking Netflix special. So, you know, I got to give the people some way to see what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, I think it's great now that you can, uh, have a YouTube channel. You can have a TikTok and an Instagram and all that and post your own content up there. And uh, people can go see it. So you don't necessarily need it's, a Netflix special. You got Vet TV, and you're on Vet TV. You have a Vet TV special. So that's pretty big. I am on Vet Vet TV. You know, I, I got to share the spotlight with, I believe it was six other uh, veterans um, of the different branches of the military. I think the only one, we didn't have a Coast Guard representative, but, you know, that doesn't really count anyway. Yeah, they'll have to go uh, on the Department of Homeland Security episode. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, that was a lot of fun to do that. I think there were, we had two Marines, uh, some Navy and Air Force on, on that series, but like people should do it. It's $5 for a month subscription. If nothing else, you pay $5 and you, you watch all those episodes, you get some good stand up. Yep. I definitely encourage that, everyone. That TV has some pretty great humorous uh shows on there so I, I suggest people check it out yeah i like the shop i like devil docs i like mandatory fun is my favorite i love stand-up i love stand-up comedy so uh watching you guys on there was just amazing you got any uh do you have any like inspirations as far as stand-up goes or as far as like uh veteran uh famous people uh i mean so for me i I don't know how many people know this, but Rob Riggle was a an officer in the Marine Corps. And the more you like read into him, you're like, man, not he's he's a hilarious comedic actor and and comedian, but he 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 was a fuck he was a badass Marine. So Rob Riggle is someone you can look up uh like if you're like 
transferring from the armed forces to the entertainment industry. You know, he's a good guy to look into. Uh, Adam Driver did some really great shit. I, I think the success that he's had coming from the Marine Corps is awesome. Uh, but then, like, just stand-up comedians. Uh, Bill Burr's my number one of all time. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Chappelle, he's he's the GOAT, man. He's He, he, he released, like, a 30-minute thing uh, in response to the, the protests and Black Lives Matter, the, the killing of George Floyd, and I'll, I'll, it wasn't hilarious, but I can just, I can listen to that man talk. He comes to the comedy store a lot, and whether or not you walk away going, that was the funniest show you, you watch, you will be listening to him the entire time. He has a way to captivate people, and I think that's very powerful. Yeah, I, I watched it, and I agree with that. Anytime Chappelle is saying anything, you just watch and kind of go like, like you're watching a, a historic event, you know, whenever he gets up there and speaks his, his, uh, yeah. his viewpoints and perspectives on things are, are amazing. Uh, and he's got a great, he's got a great perspective. He's got a great attitude on, on, and outlook and kind of like a, an objectivity that is lacking in a lot of places. Cause a lot of people just say the same shit because they know it'll get, you know, when it comes to current events or political stuff, they'll just say the same shit because they know it gets laughs, but he actually takes yeah. some deep thought into it, which I appreciate quite a bit. Absolutely. And uh, and another thing, like with Bill Burr, you know, Joe Rogan is like the king of media right now. He, he he's, he's His podcast, he, he sold it to Spotify for $100 million for over the next three years. It's one of the biggest deals there is. And he has such an impact on people's uh, careers just by having them on his show. He's, he's, he's a big part of stand-up comedy uh but what i will say is that i feel like stand-ups won't take it take joe to task at times and one of the most recent uh guests he had was bill burr and joe was like oh you really want to see people walking around with masks on and bill was just like i'm not gonna fucking do this with you joe i'm not gonna sit here with me not having a medical degree and you not having a medical degree and, and tell people they should or shouldn't wear masks. I, I watch the news every two weeks. They say we need to wear masks then we fucking need to wear masks. And like Burr may not be as famous or as rich as Rogan, but the, he is as respected and, and like him taking jabs at Joe like that. Joe was just laughing and, and like that just shows you the kind of power that Bill Burr has in comedy where the most famous person in comedy at this point was just like, all right, you, you got me, you know, <laughs> like it's, it was refreshing. Yeah. Well, I think you kind of nailed it where it's like, if you're sitting there talking to Joe Rogan, you don't want to push back on him too hard. Cause you know, kind of like he has, he, he's got the biggest platform that anybody listens to you being on there yeah. is like, you want to be care You want to like be in his good favor, but I agree, man, you should, everyone should speak their, their mind on things and what they honestly think is true. And, not just, you know, buy into like one side or the other on opinions on things. And it's hard. I mean, I'll admit it. I'm not famous by any means, but I I went to a Black Lives Matter protest and I was very moved by what I saw and I posted something about it and I lost a hundred followers. Uh, but you got to just, you know, I don't give a fuck. If, if that's what's going to make you unfollow me, then you probably... I'm not the guy for you anyway. You know, <laughs> I, I believe in 
in in being true to to who you are. I think that's important. Yeah, maybe we uh, maybe we'll get on here another time with a like a panel of people and talk about uh talk about all that stuff and some more of that current events and. Yeah, dude, let's fucking Fox News it up, dog. Let's, let's do it. Fucking have four different screens growing and everyone just yelling over each other. Perfect. I love it. All right, brother. Hey, uh, we've been going for about an hour and 15 minutes. I'll usually, I usually try to wrap it up around this time. Uh, you got anything you want to, so you're all, you're all over on, on all the social medias at Mitch Burrow, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, you have a bitchburrow.com. You're on mandatory fun on vet TV. Um, I encourage people to go check you out. You're hysterical. You've had me laughing this entire time. Uh, you got anything you want to let people know about? Hey man, the uh, Scuttlebutt's one of the funnest podcasts I've done, man. This was a, a great time. Thank you for having me on. Oh That's shit, it. I appreciate that very much. We'll do this again soon. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right, brother. Hey, do my outros suck? I'm not sure. I don't know how to sign out of these podcasts. It's something I'm working on. Hey, I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to that episode. It was really fun to do. I hope that you enjoyed it also. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so you can listen to all the other episodes. There's tons more episodes already available and more coming every week. If you haven't gotten over to YouTube and subscribed over there, please go ahead and do that. It would uh, mean a lot to me if you did. There's all these podcasts are available on YouTube as well as a bunch of other content that you wouldn't find here in the podcast. If you're looking for ways to support the show, you can head over to anchor.com, subscribe there, and you can do monthly contributions if you choose to. If you'd like to see this program grow and support, then uh, that would mean the world to me. I, I just, I just want to say thank you for listening. Uh, re- feel free to reach out to me anytime via our social media or email, all at the Scuttlebutt Show. Email is the Scuttlebutt Show, gmail.com. And I look forward to talking to you guys very soon. And let's go ahead and listen to another episode. All right. Bye.